Greetings, everyone. Master Grogan here, ready to rock your world with another exciting Kickin' Life podcast. Hey, as you know, we talk about it a lot. Not if, but when the world kicks your butt. I'm here to motivate, inspire, and kick your butt back up. And that's the whole essence of the Kickin' Life podcast, to help you live your best kickin' life. So buckle up. Here we go. Kicking lifers out there, how are we doing today? Hopefully, you're having a fantastic day. Master Grogan coming at you again with another exciting Kicking Life podcast. Man, that intro gets me pumped every time. Well, folks, as always, and I mention this every single show, I'm going to do everything I can to not only bring the best guest on, but have the best information, the best resources, the best advice and suggestions to help you live your best kicking life. And as a reminder, what's a kicking life? Well, Some people have a good life. Some people have a great life. Some people have a phenomenal life. But a kicking life supersedes all those, baby. It's like, man, you're kicking butt. You're cashing checks. You're taking names. You're living a kicking life. You're doing your very, very best. Now, it's not always always easy. I don't live in a world of sunshine and rainbows either. The world's tough. And as Rocky says, it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. Yeah, but that's what this episode, that's what this show is all about. Helping empower you to be the very best you can be, to be the best parent, to empower your kids to be their absolute very best. And today's show, oh goodness, hold on folks. I've got a a duo here, a dynamic duo. They wrote a book. It's an Amazon bestseller called Resilient Parenting. They're going to tell us all about the book. And I had the opportunity just last weekend to spend some quality time with this gentleman who's got an amazing wife who's his pillar of support, backing him up, helping him. And you hear me talk about that a lot because, you know, my wife is my foundational support. She keeps me on the, I don't necessarily straight and narrow, but she keeps me organized, which is what I need. That's the same thing here. So they're going to talk about their book. They're going to talk about what they're doing, not only in the United States, what they're doing with their martial arts academy, but soon to be, as they continue to travel and promote this book and what they're doing, a worldwide thing to help make our society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live by giving parents the tools and empowering kids to be their very, very best. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about Mr. and Mrs. Chris and Holly Santello. How are we, guys? Hi there. How are you? How are you doing today? uh, Fantastic. Fantastic. Great to hear your voice. And Chris, thank you so much for uh, this past weekend, spending so much quality time. I enjoyed our conversations, and I really, really enjoyed sitting in your seminar. Uh, I've got pages and pages of notes there is no possible way for me to get through all these notes on the show, so I'm just going to uh, kind of lead you along and let you talk about the wonderful things you're doing. And Miss Holly, how are you, young lady? All is well. Thank you. So happy to be here on the show. Thank you very, very much. Well, folks, as always, you can find us, uh, the podcast, Kicking Life Podcast Online, or just go to your iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast from, and it's Kicking Life, K-I-C-K-I-N-L-I-F-E. The show is continuing to grow. Our social media channels are continuing to grow, and that's Kicking Life uh, with Master Grogan or on Instagram, kickinglife.mastergrogan. And thank you so much, as always, for your support. Instagram, we're over 12,600 followers. Thank you so very much for that. And let's continue to do this thing to make our society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live by building our tribe. All right, so here we go. So, guys, first things first, tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, about how this book came about where they can find the book. Obviously, it's available on Amazon. It's an Amazon bestseller. But here, here's your time to 
give our audience what they're looking for, how to find these resources to be their very best. Uh, sure. Well, we are for Kristen Holly Santilli. You got that covered already, so I appreciate that. And um, we uh, teach martial arts, uh, specifically Shaolin Kempo, kind of a primary art with some American Kempo, Kosher Kempo, and colleagues, just for good measure. And uh, we have four locations, soon to be five locations, just outside of Washington, D.C. and Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, we've been doing that for a long time. More recently, uh, we both this parenting. Oh, and we have three kids. I forgot about the three kids. We have three sons, ages six, eight, and ten. They're important. And uh, we wrote this parenting book, Resilience Parenting, to kind of take the lessons that we have uh, learned from teaching martial arts all those years and kind of trying to translate them to parenting uh, to kind of help parents be the best possible parents and in a lot of cases, uh, best people that they can be as their kids grow up to have a functional, fulfilling life. Fantastic. That's, that's most of us. And you, you did that like in oh, one, we don't one live breath. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You, you don't live anywhere. Okay. Because you, you, you're, you're everywhere, right? Is that how that works? Yeah. The newest chapter in our uh, life exploration here is we uprooted ourselves in order to wander and uh, world school our, our kids and ourselves. We, we sold our home. We, we tried a, a grand experiment of downsizing and, and decluttering our lives to an, an ultimate extreme of down the five backpacks. And, um, yeah, we are. We're trying to be a little more thoughtful about how we are living. Well, and as you describe it, you know, we all have a well, aspire to having a kick in life, and, and we all have different uh, visions of what our kick in life will will look like. And for us, it it's uh, traveling around the world and not quite knowing where we're going to be next week. I know that sounds ridiculous and crazy to other people. It's not everybody's image of a. Uh, of, of life that they want to live, but for us, this is something we've been talking about for a couple of years now. We're pretty excited to keep going forward. We just started. We've got a couple more years to go and uh, and get some more continents to hit, but, um, but we're off and running. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. I'm standing here in the studio with goosebumps. Think about that. You're doing it, and it's your kick in life. Like you said, whatever. I mean, as, there's 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet, well, roughly 350 million in the United States alone. But each and every one of us are created differently. God gave us a gift that is our gift. And uh, you, you two have found each other. You're sharing that gift, that vision, that passion. Now you're sharing it with your kids. And that's your interpretation of, uh, of a, kick, a kick in life. Get all tongue-tied here. I think of uh, just by you saying that, kind of traveling around the movie Titanic when, you know, Jack was talking about he didn't know where he'd be from day to day, but he's just happy and grateful to have the life that he has and the ability to be in one place and another. And you're living that. Fantastic, guys. That's that's exciting. Thank you. So I got to hear, we homeschool our kids as well. So, Chris, I know when we briefly spoke about that oh, over the weekend. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's spectacular. Yeah, it's uh, my, my son, uh, Emmett. I've got three kids as well. I got a 19-year-old, uh, Austin, a 16-year-old who just got her license yesterday. Dad had some tears shed for that one. I'm happy for her, but then <laughs> my princess is driving. <laughs> but um, uh, she's 16, and my youngest, Emmett, he's 10. And Emmett, we've homeschooled for the last couple of years, and Madeline will be a junior, but uh, we're going to homeschool her next year as well. Uh, we just It's a decision we've been talking about for a while. We're in a position where we can do it. Now, uh, truth be told, my wife is the one doing all the curriculum activity. I handle the PE side of things, but uh, we got to have some brains to educate them on where <laughs> the <laughs> curriculum we want. Me. No, well, everybody knows. it's. Uh, I'm good at the hyperactive stuff and the physical stuff, but in, I made uh, our graduating class, I made the top half possible because I wasn't in it. So I'll leave that to somebody who's a lot smarter. 
Well, I'll tell you. I, <laughs> I've never heard anyone put it that way before. I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's not for everybody, but we just love it. You know, we've done it since, uh, since kindergarten with all three of our boys, and it's, you know, it's just a good, it's a good match for us. And like you said, you know, um, uh, part of it's uh, possible because of our schedule and our flexibility. And uh, but we've always viewed ourselves as educators, you know, uh, martial arts, and then only also music as well. And um, and then so when we had these kids, they were supposed to learn some stuff. It seemed so natural that we would teach it to them instead of uh, you know sending them off to someone else to teach them. Cause, you know, we can do this. This is what we do. <laughs> well, and actually, that, that brings us to a big point in our book that we believe parents should be teachers as much as possible, and that they're going to enjoy their relationship with kids far more if they approach all their conversations with kids as teachers. And we don't mean that we think all parents should homeschool, but just that a teacher-student relationship is so much more inspiring than a dictatorship or a, uh, what other opportunities are there? Like military junta kind of thing. Or the bribes or the... Bribing and lecturing. You know, if, you, if we think back to, you know, when our children were very young, you know, we all taught them how to walk and how to speak and whatnot. And those were such exciting, you know, fulfilling moments. And, um, and then if we, you know, when they, you know, turn 8 and 10 and 12 and 14 and whatnot, we... There are other things we would like them to know, but somehow we have a tendency to kind of stand back and be like, you should know this already, or I told you this already, or, you know, why, why haven't you learned this at school or whatever, rather than, you know, the, the, the old, you know, saw, you know, how many times will you teach a child to you know, walk? Will you teach them as many times as it takes? And, um, and so it's the same thing as we approach parenting. Uh, not just early on, but throughout the whole life. It's, it's, there's a lesson you want your child to learn. If you want your child to be more respectful, if you want your child to be more diligent, if you want your child to have more discipline, we just need reps and we need patience and we need encouragement and we need enthusiasm. And if we take that that role instead of standing back and wagging our, our finger at them and, uh, you know, lecturing them, but rather just kind of get in there and say, all right, what's it going to take for them to learn this lesson? Uh, we just get much, much better results. And our, our whole book is kind of built around that concept. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Holly, uh, you were kind of started to say something there. If you wanted to go ahead and finish that off, that would be great. Thank you. Or maybe you were done. I like to finish all of her thoughts for her. Oh, that, I think it's better that way. It's, it's better that way. It's very, <laughs> very, very humbling, Chris. Very good work. I'll let you guys scrap it out when we're off the air. Yeah. Yeah, she wrote the she wrote the book, and so I just you know, I just I just put my name on the cover because I was the uh, intermediate. That's so. not true. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> on, on my worst day, she quotes our book at me. You know that my my kid did something that's frustrating to me. I said, "Come on, you know, haven't we talked about this before?" And she said, "Chris, on page seventy-two, the person should be patient." I'm like, gosh darn it! So worse. I really I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts, and and you were saying it was about the social media challenge. Yeah. I Folks, I want you to know this is coming from a very humble place. This is something I'm working on. I am not telling you that I have succeeded in it. And that, that's very much our case as well. You know, we actually really enjoy reading this book back to ourselves to remind ourselves of the things that we are striving to do because, you know, the, the struggle is real with, with our kids. It's, um, we used to talk about this when we were teaching in the studios that we only have these kids for a few hours a week, the kids that belong to other people. Yeah. <laughs> and, the borrowed um, the children. And so we got an opportunity to be perfect for, for those hours. It was pretty dark easy. Um, but we know that when you have your, your kids all the time and... Uh, the other 23 hours a day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it can be more challenging, obviously. Like, you get 
you get tired of saying the same thing over and over again or um and none of us have ever done you know made the wrong uh parenting decision every single time nor have any of us ever made it you know, uh perfectly every single time so you encounter the situation it's really just a you know, you know, a question of do I do I usually respond with lecturing or do I usually respond with teaching, and how can I nudge myself in the right direction to respond a little more often in the right way? Uh, you know, it's not a pass fail uh, test. It's a, it's a question of just kind of how well can we do? Can we make it into that top half now that high school is over? Wow, are you taking notes, folks? Now, hopefully, if you're driving, you're not taking notes, but you're taking <laughs> mental notes. And of course, you know, you can always go back through and listen to the podcast more than once and then sit down with your pen and paper. And that's the whole beauty of it being a podcast. It's kind of like Netflix for your phone, but it's the information, the knowledge, the wisdom, suggestions and advice from the professionals. Not this guy, but the people I have on the show. That's the professionals. I'm professional telling bad jokes. That's what I'm good at. But uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure what you were talking about there. But, you know, it's OK. <laughs> well, we just got back. Uh, it was oh, about a month ago. At another training session with the Ziegler family, and they had a guy named Brian Flanagan who worked with Zig Ziegler for about 40 years, and he said, the, a, a, guy, a man that can laugh at his own jokes is always entertained. And I said, well, that's why I'm always entertained. Yeah. Nobody else gets my jokes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. And, you know, for me, it's easy because I tell such good jokes, just really, really good ones. Uh, yeah, I'm a genius in my Cricket. own mind. My jokes are Cricket. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, uh, that, that brings up a point about uh, not only the homeschooling, but something I talk about quite a bit, and I'm, I know you do as well. And regardless of what martial arts style it is, almost every single martial arts style starts off with a white belt. And I like to look at this white belt as like fresh fallen snow, or even better yet, a blank white canvas. And essentially, that's what our kids are. It's a blank white canvas. And what we paint or what we put on that canvas, or I like to even go further, is, you know, it's a, a, a beautiful, fertile garden. And what we plant in that garden are the seeds that are going to grow or what we throw on that canvas is what's going to illuminate or show to the world. And that's the opportunity, like you mentioned about kids learning to walk. It's not like they try 10 or 12 times and you say, you know what, maybe you're just not meant to walk. You go ahead and give up. No, we keep pushing. We keep driving to help them get it. And then something happens when they come eight or 10 years old, we, we, we lose a little bit of that. But having the ability to kind of keep that mindset, that white belt mindset of that's a blank canvas, baby. What we put on there, that's what's going to show to the world. And homeschooling gives you that opportunity to teach what you want to teach, to show them what you want to show them, the choral values, the moral values, and anything else that you want on that canvas, as opposed to obviously, uh, you know, others polluting your canvas, if you will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good. Well, like you say, you know, we are, it's been said before, you know, we are the masterpiece of our own life. And, you know, parenting is such a, we joked about this before, I really wanted to write a book about how adults could, you know, be better people. Uh, but no one, I shouldn't say no, people are so much more receptive to messages about how someone else can be better than how they can be better. So we wrote a parenting book instead. What we really wanted to do is get all the parents out there, because the kids are perfect. Like you say, they're just, they're responding to stimuli. Um, I was in the lobby, I, I think I uh, told this anecdote in the, in the talk you were at last week, you know, I was in the lobby of one of our studios a couple months back, and uh, a guy comes in, he gently pushes his uh, son off towards the instructor and kind of over the child's head towards the instructor, he says, you know, fix him, please. And, um, you know, there's just very few worse things that a parent could say in the presence of their child, or, or even outside of the presence of their child. But 
you know, you spend about two minutes talking to this gentleman, you realize that any difficulties that child is having in his life has nothing to do with that child and has everything to do with his parenting style. His total inability to comprehend that the actions that he takes and the words that he says are directly impacting the child, not just in the present moment, but also in the life that he's going to live moving forward. And the kid doesn't need fixing. Dad needs fixing. And um, so, you know, you want to sit him down and you want to strap him in a chair and you want to tape his eyelids back and you want to put a book in front of him and you want to teach him how to be a parent. But uh, we have to be a little bit gentler than that and coax him into understanding that there's opportunities here for him to grow as a person and not only will he, uh, you know, benefit, but obviously his children will as well. Well said. Holly, Got a little dark did, did he cover everything? Did Chris cover everything there, Holly? Or is did, there something left? Did out? he cover everything on that point? Yeah. I, oh no, don't don't worry about me. I'm I'm waiting for my opportunity where the inspiration strikes. Opportunity to strike. There you she, go. You're kinda of laying in the wake there. Looking at me. Oh, I see. Laying she, in the wake, waiting for an opening. Well, I gotta tell you, Chris, I, I've told that story three different times since I've been back, and I've been back at four, four or five days. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that story. And yeah, i I think the biggest problem with well, human beings in general, but us parents. We know everything about everything about everything, and no one's going to tell us what to do because we know we're not broke. It's the gosh darn kid that's broke. Come on. Have some humility. Drop that ego. But, yeah, I've told that story countless times, and uh, I probably didn't tell it as well as you did because it wasn't my true story, but I gave you full credit. But I also shared with the instructors here, you're teenagers. You're teenagers, and you got this adult who is old enough to be your parent telling you to fix their kid. He's broken. I said, think about that. How would you like if your parents said that to you? And, of course, they're like, well, what, what should we do? I'm like, well, we sit the parents down, and a little more aggressive than taping their eyelids back. We just beat them with a stick, but that's how we do it at our academy. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> of course, I'm I joking. really want to come to your studio and see that. <laughs> that's yeah. my right hook reality. Parent training facility. Look, parents, I'm going to beat the ego well, out of you. But, uh, no, we're being silly, but we the whole I will point. Share. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, thank you. I, I will share two of the things that popped up in my mind. And one is that parenting day, I told my son or daughter a hundred times about something. <laughs> this, these are my two answers for you. Maybe Chris wants to fill in a third or a fourth. Um, one is that we really want to focus on our, on our with our kids on how and why. Actually, start with the why, right? Yeah. Why is something important? And then, do they really know how to accomplish the thing that you're talking about, maybe? because maybe they don't um and then secondly practice and it's so funny we when we teach kids how to do math it's not like we say all right let me demonstrate for you the way that you do long division okay got it great go off into the world no we then we give them a worksheet and they actually practice it and um you might laugh but but we i'm just thinking back to a time when we were reminding our son some manners that you don't want to just barge into a bathroom because his brother might be there and so we had him knock on the door 10 times, knock on the door and say, is anyone in there? Okay, sorry. <laughs> but that's, how, that's what it takes. And now it's ingrained. It felt silly at the time, but that is the kind of repetition that we do. And not only that, but it has to be your best. And after you've done your best of repetition, you have to reflect on whether or not they were. Well, around repetition number seven of knocking on the door and saying, are you in there? Okay, sorry, Seth is getting pretty uh, complacent. So we stopped and said, is this really the best you can do? And he said, yeah, no, it's not mom. <laughs> so, so we did a few more of it, right? All right, so those are my two things. So, so why it's important and how, how to accomplish something. 
And then once you've established that, get some repetitions in there, just like you would do for any anything that you want to learn. And then the only thing I would add to that is the understanding that, you know, kids are, are evolving so rapidly. But the kid that you, you told this, this message that you're so sure you, you delivered so perfectly uh, in your lecture last week, it's not the same kid anymore. He's a slightly different kid. He's evolved. He's changed. He's grown. He has new information and new understanding. He's in a different emotional state. And just being respectful of that, the fact that what you told him last week needs to be reinforced or retaught today to teach it to the, the, the current child, the child that's sitting in front of you today. And just be respectful of that and patient and, uh, and take the time and teach it again, the how and the why and get the rest. Okay, I want to add one more thing. Yesterday, while we were hiking, I forgot the fourth rule. Oh, she forgot. And by the way, I joked that we also need a spoon in high school. But the fourth rule is that anytime you come to a fork in the road, you wait for the rest of your food. And I didn't do that. I was happily charging up that hill, enjoying the, the rush of my my beating heart and the, the wind. And I was like, well, an eagle being carried up the hill. Well, guess what? <laughs> I got reminded. And then the next child, and then the next child forgets the fourth rule too. And then luckily I come along as I watch my wife head off in one direction out of sight. I watch my other child head off in a different direction out of sight. And I stand there and I sigh. I guess what I want to say is if ever you want a reminder about why sometimes people are going to need reminders about things, just look at yourself. Yeah, look at yourself. Not to Grogan and I are perfect. You and the kids. I'm a perfect mess. That's what I'm perfect at. And uh, the, the master in my title stands for master learner and master, oh man, what was that again? <laughs> so nice. keeping that open mind. Well, I think, Ollie, you were just in that zone, baby. You were living your kicking life and just chucking on along. And that's a great point because that's that's the world our kids live in all the time. And to hear you say that makes makes me feel good for you because you still got that kid at heart. But then we got to reflect. Oh wait a minute, was, was I supposed to do something? Here? <laughs> but the kid, the kid I at heart off the Y in the road. I do, sir. I do have that kid at heart. <laughs> I, have, I have four children. Three of them are young, and I'm married to the fourth. Well, that's that's good. My poor wife is the opposite. There, she's raising three kids, and then I, I don't know what the heck she's trying to do with me. But uh, it seems to be working when I allow it to work. When I allow it to work. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> oh, good. Good stuff, guys. So I've, I've got uh, all kinds of notes here, but I really want to make sure I skip forward and uh, uh, don't leave this out because to me, it was one of the most important things. And you, you just pretty much covered it without saying the words, but um, uh, independence and uh, correctiveness with, with the kiddos. And I know that's a big part. Connectiveness. Yeah. Can I read my own writing here? There it is. Connective, not corrective. Well, we got to correct yeah, them too. We got to correct hard. Holly when she goes off on her own path. I get it. No, but <laughs> maybe that's a third one. Yeah, Independence, part of our message. Correctiveness. Is, <laughs> a little correctiveness never heard of it. Um, a big part of our message is I, we believe that there is a, a false dilemma presented in our, our cultural consciousness. This idea that a human being, be a child or adult, can either be connected the people around them or be independent. And we just think that that's false, that a person uh, can and should be both. And the, the greatest examples of humanity are, in fact, both of those things to a very high degree. And so as we look at kids, we kind of, you know, you often see some of the kids who end up on the bus and that they're very connected. Uh, you're hiding behind mom's uh, legs and they, they want to spend all their time with her. 
and but they are too terrified to come and you know give a karate instructor a high five or greet a new person or make a new friend or whatever. Uh, that they lack independence, they lack the ability to kind of go out in the world and and uh, and take for themselves. And then those are the kids who are going to be on mom and dad's focus when they're 22. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum, you have the people who have kind of dissolved into their into their devices and they're uh, very independent. They're up in their room, they're not paying any attention to mom and dad. They don't need anything from anyone. And but they don't have any relationship. And uh, when they turn 18, they just they're just gone. And and we don't want either of those scenarios from from our for our kids. We want to help raise children who are both independent. They have the ability to stand up on their own two feet and advocate for themselves and and go out into the world and do what they want to do with their lives. But they also have very well built relationships initially, of course, with their parents and then with their their larger family and their friends in their community, and so that they can have all of the uh, all of the wonderful aspects of life that come with that. And um, so a big part of our book is kind of talking about how to help raise children, what we can do in the here and now, what we can do today to help our children cultivate both their independence and their connectedness so that they can grow up to have those functional fulfilling kick in life that we're talking about. Absolutely. You know, resilience is a big word in the, in the media and in our parenting concerns and our consciousness right now because it seems like kids aren't very resilient. And they're big wins. We, we can... Yeah. We could throw out a lot of guesses about why that is in our in our current cultural climate. Um, but in the end, we think that this balance of independence and connectedness is, is, a, is a path to being resilient. And um, for those of us who, who haven't given it much thought, resilience means being able to, one, be strong. You know, that's our first line of defense is to become a problem with strength. But then when... Strength is not the right answer or it might, you know, perhaps be potentially damaging or just isn't enough and sometimes need to adapt. So that's an important part of resilience as well. And then for those inevitable times that you fail, and, and there will be those times, resilience is the ability to recover. And, and those are the three key things that we want to encourage, again, through teaching our children to be both independent and connected people. Wow. How's that, folks? Good stuff, isn't it? I'm standing here with goosebumps again. Great information, but once again, we've got to be humble enough, and I think most of our fans listening to the show get where I'm coming from. We'll give you the right hook of reality, but it's all done from the heart, all done out of love, all done to help you be the best parent you can be. That's some great information there. And, of course, this information and much, much more are found in Chris and Holly's book, Resilient Parenting, number one bestseller on Amazon. Check that baby out. So, uh, is there any other place I could find your book, guys, besides Amazon? And, of course, sure. if you come and see Chris yeah, speak somewhere. Our, yeah, I hope so. That would be spectacular. Yeah, our website for the book is resilientparenting.info. Uh, if anyone's curious about our travels around the world, if we head into uh, Asia, Russia, Mongolia, China in August, that's uh, five backpacks uh, family. Uh, and then our studios in uh, Virginia is uh, potomactempo.com. Oh yeah, tell uh, we really think four studios. You're going to have a fifth one here. Please share the contact information if they're in the local area. They can definitely visit your studio. But I think that's a fantastic thing to follow you on your backpack journey. What was that uh, website again? Fivebackpacks.family. That's fantastic. It would mean so much to us if, if talking to you today for inspires someone to do something that they've been holding back on, whether it be. Uh, parenting decisions, you know, a, a kind of a makeover of how they want to work with their children. If someone were to write to us and say, I tried 
that thing that you talked about in chapter five and it worked. And I couldn't believe it. Um, something that I had been trying for years and, and then suddenly it clicked with me and my daughter. That, that would be amazing. Or if someone were to write to us and say, I have been thinking about spending more time with my family and the way that you guys radically jump ship and changed your lives to do that. Well, I think that I can at least take the time to go take someone out on the weekend. You know, any kind of story like that would mean so much to us. How's that for humility, folks? There you go. And, and Holly, tell people how they can uh, connect with you as a Facebook page or through your website or what's the best connective channel, especially while you're doing your, cha- uh, your traveling. Absolutely, through the website. Yep. You can, you can email me directly. I would love to hear from you. Yeah, both, um, all of our, both resilient parents and that info and family have contact pages with our emails. They all reach us. There you go, folks, right there. There's the source. Send it out there. And if you have questions, move along. But I highly encourage you to get the book first, read the book, and that will probably answer most questions. And that's also going to stimulate thought on more questions than you ever could have dreamed up in the first place. So take those progressive steps. And there it is. We, uh, like my, one of my favorite quotes is from Socrates. All I know is I know nothing. Have that humble mindset of I'm willing to learn. I'm a blank canvas. Have that mindset and allow others to help put some painting on that canvas. Now, as us adults, we can change the page. Turn the page, baby, if you don't like what somebody's painting on it. And that's the ability to, if you don't like a podcast you're listening to, listen to the Kick and Life one. That's it. Turn off that one. Turn on this one. If you don't like a book you're reading, pick up Resilient Parenting. That's how you do things, folks. We know that. We're inundated with this thing, uh, this stuff. The only bad thing is there's so much coming in. It's extremely hard to filter out what we want to focus on. And that's, uh, listeners, you hear me talk about a lot, the reticular activating system, something I'd never heard of three or four or five years ago, but now I'm almost obsessed with it simply because of the power. And that's your filter in the brain. You get 75, 80,000 thoughts a day. There's no way you can concentrate or even try and reflect on 80,000 thoughts a day. And if you're hyperactive like I am, it's probably 200,000. But that's where your reticular activating system comes in. What you focus on magnifies. You focus on being a better parent. You focus on being the very best you can be, living your best kick in life. That's what your reticular activating system, your filter in your subconscious mind is going to focus on. And you're going to have more of that coming into your life. If you're a person that says, oh, uh, my kids are terrible. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Oh, man, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. All those negative thoughts. If you think those, your mind, your reticular activating system was non-biased in any way is going to say, hey, that's what you want to focus on. All right, baby, get ready. Here it comes. Well, the same's true on the other side. Surround yourself with the right people. Read the right books. Follow Chris and Holly Tantello on their journey all over the place with their backpacks. Fantastic. But read their book and connect with more people like that. And I promise it's going to elevate your thought pattern. It's going to elevate who you are. And it's going to elevate how you interact with your kids. Woo, good stuff, guys. Great stuff. That was all in one breath, too. That was spectacular. Yeah, Thanks for growing. It's such a, a privilege to be on this with you. I remember meeting you about a year ago and you telling me about this podcast. So to be here on it is just, um, yeah, the dream come true. Oh, goodness gracious. Are you guys trying to get me to cry? I cried yesterday because my daughter got a license. And now on the show, you're going to make me cry again. Is that, is that the <laughs> point here? <laughs> I'm not too no, big to cry. No, no, <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Well, Holly, that means the world to me. Thank you very, very much for that. Well, we're not done. I just want to make sure we got that plug in there to uh, kind of give the folks. I got a hashtag, and please feel free to use it anytime. It's called Right Hook Reality. I even bought the domain. <laughs> 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 Boom. <laughs> 
right hook of reality, baby. And that's from the heart. You know, oftentimes we don't want to hear the things that we need to hear. And uh, if you're willing enough to be humble enough and willing enough and drop your ego enough, well, you're going to learn, learn, learn. Good stuff. So, Chris, I got, I got to touch on this one, too. Uh, I almost skipped over it in my notes the first time. Uh, a second story I've shared a couple of times. Look, look at you. You're, you're, you're keeping an open mind. I've got notes from all the meetings, but I've shared your stories more than anybody else's. Now, that could be because I knew you were coming on the podcast, or it could be they were just so awesome that, man, I couldn't wait to tell somebody else. I'll let you decide which well, one. Well, I like my story. <laughs> <laughs> just like I laugh at my jokes, I like my story. Absolutely. So it's, it's about uh, what Holly had talked about, resilience, and how kids, unfortunately, have lost a lot of that resilient drive. And I think we go back to the, when they're first learning how to walk. You know, they didn't have a decision about being resilient. They knew that they wanted to walk, and we weren't going to let them give up. But unfortunately, as they get older, they're getting rewarded with trophies they didn't earn. They're getting grades they didn't uh, earn or work toward because, you know, mom or dad complained enough. Well, resilience leads even further into life because that seed's planted. And you told the story of a, uh, a friend of yours that uh, he's a, like a corporate manager, owned a business, and had a 23-year-old come in. And I forgot it was more. I said marketing when I retold the story. I could have been wrong. But she came in and proposed something. And he kind of took a red pen out and making some corrective measures. And she lost it, freaked out, cried, and went home, or quit the job. It was her first job at 23 years old. And then she wound up back on her mom's couch because she couldn't handle any type of correction. And it wasn't rejection. It was simply correction. So if you want to share that story, you tell it much better than I do. Yeah, I will. And I, and I got this from, uh, from uh, someone that we were um, – uh, another show we were on a couple weeks back, and she this was her the um, uh, our host with her client was the this girl's mother, and you know, she this is probably why she was her client. Um, and she, like you said, this girl, 22, 23, whatever she was, she went out into the world, finally got a job, and um, and then received feedback, like you say, constructive criticism from her uh, supervisor, and he said, you know, fix this, do this, or whatever, and then she. Uh, she, she just couldn't take it. And, you know, there were kind of two takeaways and you kind of alluded to them already. You know, one is she interpreted getting any kind of feedback in that way as failure. And to her, in her mind, her interpretation of I didn't get it perfect first time around is failure, which just it isn't. And those of us who are real grownups and have been out in the real world understand that, you know, you don't get anything first try and um, and that you need to you need to make revisions, you need to make changes, and you are in very much supposed to learn from your you know your supervisor, from the people who have been here before, the people who've gone before, and have learned more. And, um, and so you know that was kind of takeaway number one. And then takeaway number two is you know if when she encountered something, she interpreted as failure, like she just couldn't fake, she couldn't you know show up the next day feeling that she had failed in some way. And, uh, and so she quit. She threw in the towel rather than say you know oh, okay well I messed this one up you know as she interpreted it. And, uh, okay, so I'm going to do better tomorrow, and I'm going to figure out how I can improve and whatnot. And I just don't know, you know, I don't have any details about this, this young lady's upbringing and what kind of school situation or home situation she had. But, you know, when I was a kid, when we were kids, you know, the, you, you hand in a paper, and then you get it back with a whole bunch of red marks on it. And that's not doesn't mean that you failed and it doesn't mean that you're a failure as a human being it means that you know there were things in this paper that you could have done better and here this uh, teacher this person who's here to educate you not to punish you but to educate you um is drawing your attention to the areas the, the places where you can improve and that's how we got better at stuff and you know i i'm 
you know, someone told me you know, every school district is different across the country and all have different rules, but one of our, you know, somebody we know is talking about how they've outlawed, in, in their school district, they outlawed red pens because it creates a negative emotional response to uh, in the kids. And I, I just want to say, well, of course it does. That was the whole point. When we were kids, the red paper, red ink on your paper, it created a negative emotional response. We wanted to do better next time so you didn't get so much red ink. That was that was part and parcel. That It wasn't bad that it created a negative emotional response. It was actually the intention that's creating emotional response. You see, you know, you send a kid to school all these years and you never show them any red ink. You never tell them how they can get better. You never tell them that, uh, that, um, that there's room for improvement and you give them a good grade just because that's what you're supposed to do to improve their self-esteem. And then they go out into the world and they fall flat. And, uh, and again, it's not her fault. It is now. At some point she needs to grow up and figure this stuff out for herself. But, uh, but the failure ultimately with societies and her parents and they're the ones that needed to clean things up way back when. Now she needs, now that she's 22, she's a grown up. Now she needs to put on a big boy's hands and she needs to figure it out for herself. Uh, but it's a darn shame that 10, 12, 20 years ago, her parents didn't do a better job of preparing her for the world that she was going out into. Wow. And, and Holly, what were you saying about resilience earlier? <laughs> right. Exactly. And you I, know, I, I, what really struck me with what Chris was saying is that it's the job of a teacher to give correction. And if we don't, teach our children to be, like you were saying, humble, able to accept those, um, and also curious, you know, wanting to, wanting to learn and wanting to be better, and they're going to be in trouble. I, part, a large part of our book is, is about learning and being curious and humble, and not only that, but teaching our children how, how important it is, advocating for the beauty of learning and being not only a learner until you're an adult, but a lifelong learner until until your time is through. Um, we, so that's what really resonated with me, Chris. Is that we, there there are times when I've had trouble with our kids giving them correction. It's funny, it's only on certain things, um, and so there's still some room that I I can work into there of teaching them. You know what? This is what it means to be a teacher and a student. The teacher is supposed to tell you what you did wrong, and it's not supposed to be condemning in any way but rather uplifting. Well, we talk about this in the martial arts studio. It's funny. Um, you know, as, as a person becomes a little more senior, as you can relate to, you tend to teach more and more of the you know, senior ranks and whatnot. And I, I tend to teach just our, uh, our black belt classes and our instructors for the most part at this point. And, um, but then I turn to the new instructors and I say, you know, don't teach the way I teach. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, I teach black belt. And black belts are definitionally good students. You don't become a black belt if you if you are not a good student. And so I don't have to dance around what I want to say when I'm working with black belts. I turn to, you know, some senior students and I say, uh, you did X, Y, and Z wrong, fix it. And I walk away. And I suppose I could sugarcoat it a little bit more, but I don't need to with my black belt. But you give that to a typical, you know, you give that to a 12-year-old yellow belt and just turn into a puddle. And you can, we need to spend so much work as a teacher um, you know, being gentle in our feedback and correction and positive encouraging and whatnot. And all of these are wonderful things, but there's kind of two, there's two parts to the student-teacher relationship. And one is uh, the, the teacher delivering information in a way that's easy to digest and, and um, palatable to the student, but then there's also the student kind of rising to the challenge and accepting the feedback in a positive and constructive way. And the better the student is at being a student, at taking, you know, passing over any aspect, any negativity in the delivery and just taking the gems and wisdom that are delivered to them, the better the student is at that, the more efficient and more blunt 
frankly, the teacher can be and really get the message across quickly, efficiently, and directly. And that makes for a better learning experience. But if you have a student who isn't there, who isn't willing to listen to correction, then you have to, you know, you spend, you know, all of your time just trying to coddle their little baby little ego so that they um, will listen to one little correction and it's, uh, it's a shame. So there's, there's, there's learning available on both sides. There's room for improvement on both sides of that, that spectrum, both sides of that equation. And then all this information, if folks, if you're not getting it now, get the book. It's in there. It's going to help you. And something I like to always mention, and Chris, I don't know if we talked about it or not, but I know you've heard it, and Holly, I know you've heard it as well. I believe it was Albert Einstein that said, he with few failures is he who hasn't lived. So you're going to fail. I mean, I, I never liked being corrected. I mean, you just don't. But you understand that's the only way to grow. And the old saying, a master has failed more than a beginner's ever attempted. You know, and a master was once a, a, you know, a white belt, a student. So we have failed going through this journey, and we're still failing every day trying to become our very, very best. But we want to share, just as you and Holly have shared in your book, some of the steps you've taken that have been you know, helpful and you've been very open and uh, transparent about the goof-ups you've made. And that way you're connect, you know, the connectivity with other folks, oh, yeah, I made that mistake. Well, Holly and Chris made that mistake. Now they're putting it down here to help us. But you got to be willing and humble enough to accept that knowledge, and that's something I cannot pound in enough, the humility to know all I know is I know nothing. And another point I'd really like to bring up, folks uh, listening, and you hear me talk about it a lot. This is kind of that right hook of reality. If you don't correct and regulate and grow your kids, if you don't do it, society's going to. And your corrections are now going to be huge, huge right hooks of reality or punishment from society. So you got to correct them. You got to mold them. And you got to discipline them when need be. But you got to prepare them for that. Because if you don't, they're gonna, you're going to send them out in the world fragile as can be. And society is going to have a feast on them, as shown with the 23-year-old you mentioned, and as we see all the time. And, and here's the thing. Millennials and Gen Z, they get a bad rap. Sure, it's their responsibility when they reach their 20s. But if they've never been conditioned or taught or shown what is right, what is wrong, what correction's all about, what discipline's all about, folks, you're setting your kids up for failure because society's going to discipline them. And it's going to be far harder than you could ever imagine. So once again, you hear me talk about it. Now you got Chris and Holly Santello talking about it with their book. Check that baby out. Great stuff, guys. And Chris, I was just writing down uh, as you were talking. Uh, don't teach the way I teach, especially if I'm, and that's where I'm at now. I teach black belts and our instructors. That's about where it's at. Uh, but they, they, they're, they're on a different plane. They've been training for some time now. It's not the same way you teach the white belts, yellow belts, orange belts, green belts, and whatever color belt you have in your program. So in teachers, the same way in parents. You can't teach your eight-year-old the same way you're teaching your 16-year-old. You've got to have that understanding. And you may be, you know, man, well, I told my teenagers want to 15 times. We want to help, ahead, we want to help that eight-year-old, that 16-year-old, you know, grow into an adult that you can, that you can speak, teach, speak the way you teach your black belt. Because, because classes go a lot more smoothly once we have those elevated students, those mature students like you're describing. And so we, we want to teach them to be good learners. So that uh, so that we can do that. You touched on a minute ago about um, about sharing your failures. I don't know if Holly wants to jump on that. Yeah. By the way, such great wisdom that if we don't discipline our kids and we send them out there with the expectation that the world is going to bend to their every whim, they are going to be in a whole lot of hurt. <laughs> the world has no interest in catering to our children's every need, and more should we. We need to not convince them that that's the way it's going to work. Um, but yeah, I don't know about everyone else's kids. I, I'm just going to presume they're sort of like ours, and they just love 
hearing those stories of the times that we made bad choices or um, ended up completely failing. I mean, they're like, oh, another one, mom. <laughs> you know? yeah, that was the time that you got stuck on the wall of that canyon. Oh, yeah. Oh, and had to be rescued. Oh, that time when grandma had to thank you so hard. <laughs> that time that you locked your grandparents out of the hotel room. <laughs> Uh, you know, well, and or and more approved constructively because those aren't constructively. Chris doesn't actually like the time uh, to, yeah. to get in, in trouble stories, but the idea that that we also were on a journey as children, making lots of mistakes and figuring out how to do things better. You know, that that's the important part of these stories. It's not just like, wow, I really screwed up, but let me tell you how I was able to move past that. And and one, it shows that the that we are human. You know, so. We are not trying to hide the fact that we have things going on because that is a relationship that lacks integrity, right? Yep. We want to be truthful with our kids. Um, and also, anytime that they come up against something that, that seems um, a complete block in their path, you know, they stumble on something, they can look to that and say, I, you know, just like my parents, I'm, I'm going to fail and it's okay. You know, if we never share those kinds of vulnerable things about ourselves, those, those frankly embarrassing stories, then they're going to think when they make a mistake that something's wrong with them. Well, and much more constructive than Holly, you know, getting in trouble as a child story. You know, our, my first business failed when miserably bankrupt and uh, left me in debt. And uh, then we went on and we, <laughs> you know, and then we, we did some martial arts studios and we nearly went bankrupt. We, got, we had a fifth location. We had to close it because I made some back. Uh, managerial choices and that's made some bad staffing choices and whatnot and you know those are the you know these are the trials and tribulations these are the things that we provide through in the life you know where I am now today where Holly and I are where our family is is all an outgrowth of you know this business failing this near bankruptcy this you know um, mistake here and the other and so you know if if uh, that 22 23 year old that we were talking had been had been raised with stories like that from her parents um instead of whatever she did or didn't get when the first time that her, her boss gave her some kind of correction, maybe just maybe she would have been like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like when that happened to mom. And you know what mom did? Mom went on and she, you know, she put in some extra hours, she did some extra research, she learned some stuff, and then she got a promotion, you know, because that, that's where we can go with that. But if we don't, if we hide those stories, we don't share those stories, and our ego hates sharing those stories, if we don't share those stories, then we miss out on that opportunity, that growth. Well, absolutely. Our ego does not want to be wrong, <laughs> but we got to squash it. And Chris, I no, no. always well, know. That's, that's because mine never is. Oh, yeah. Well, that, well and it comes from a couple of places, right? We, we're just trying so hard to tell our, our kids, this is the way you do this and yeah. this is the way you do that. And if we show ourselves to be fallible, are we going to somehow undermine our ability to, to be this knowledgeable guru, right? But also it comes from a place of fear. It's really hard to watch our children fail. It just is. We love, sure. we love them so much. And and to see them hurt, it's hard, but it's necessary. It just is, and and I think coming to those stories of, of our own past, it can give us the kind of strength that we need to say, okay, I just have to step aside and let them do this. It's now or never, you know. Um, no, it's not now or never. It's either now small, now small stuff, now small or stuff. later big stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not now or never. It's uh, we can put it off well, as long as we want. Okay. We can we can take that that child and catch them every time they start to fall out of a tree or off a playground when they're a child. And then I know this will this will be terrifying and resonant resonate with you given the age of your daughter. 
and then send them off into the world with a driver's license, never having had any consequence to physical actions in their lives. Or we can, or we can let them experience, you know, real physical risk on a small, relatively safe scale, so that when they get them to their driver's license at 16, they understand that there are physical consequences for actions, and they make good choices, better choices anyway. I'm writing that down. Now, now small stuff, now small stuff, then big stuff. That's fantastic. Wow, good stuff. Well, in, in the the love, and I grew up on a farm, so uh, I was always getting whooped with something. And uh, <laughs> I'm not encouraging you to beat your kids, but my mom would always say, and my dad was, uh, this hurts it worked for me. Yeah, well, this hurts me far worse than it hurts you. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. But obviously they did. Ah! <laughs> I've never said that to my That's kids. I, I, I just tell them, look, I love you. I want you to make the best choices. That was not a good choice. And this consequence, discipline, punishment, whatever it is, is out of love because as hard as this is for you right now, it's going to save you a far worse lesson later because society is not going to love you. Yeah. Society is mm-hmm. going to punish you hardcore. And I always talk about the foundational support, meaning as Rocky says, we're going to get knocked down. You're going to get beat to your knees uh, and, and we'll beat your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, nobody hits as hard as life. We're going to get knocked down. That 23-year-old got knocked down, but it was 23 years old before she ever got knocked down. You should have been knocked down uh, earlier in life, told her she was wrong. She wasn't, uh, you know, the queen of the castle. And I'm not saying you don't pump your kids up, but you also got to let them know, keep their feet on the ground. And because if you don't, yeah. society's going to do it. And then they're not going to have any type of uh, resilience or determination or passion or uh, self-discipline to get back up because they've never been taught to do it. That's why we got to do it early. And that's obviously what you're talking about, uh, what we talk about all the time in the academy, what your book's talking about. So, folks, somebody's going to punish your kids. It'll either be you in a loving manner or society in a hurtful, harmful manner. It's, it really, it's your choice. And highly, like you said, nobody likes to see their kid fail. That rips our heart out. But you know you're doing it. Kind of you're the one helping them grow from the failure. Society's not going to. Society, Society is not going to love you. I'm, that's my note for today. I'm going to take that one home. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. You know, it's... <laughs> I wish I always tell the kids, I wish I could lie to you and say that you're not going to have a, a rough path. I'm gonna, I wish I could lie to you and say that, uh, you know, the world is all sunshine and rainbows, but that's all that would be is a lie. There's no truth in that. You got to learn how to fight. You got to learn how to be resilient. And Chris, I, I was going to say earlier, I knew I connected with you on so many different levels and Holly as well for you being the foundation. Uh, it's something I used to never talk about due to embarrassment, but I'm very transparent about it now. We've been bankrupt twice. We had our house foreclosed on, cars repossessed, all that stuff. And uh, just like you, you're an overnight success, right? Well, yeah, an overnight success after <laughs> all these failures, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, those failures were your foundational pieces. You built that up. Now, you, you may have built your, well, with I know for me personally, it was a lack of knowledge. I built my castle, so to speak, on, on sand right by the ocean. Wasn't very smart. And, of course, what did the ocean do? It wiped it out. Now through the failures, I'm piece by piece by piece building that baby up there. That's so great. All right. So we're kind of getting to the end here. Give uh, um, another shout out for both of you wonderful rock stars on how people can find you just in case uh, they may have forgotten or they didn't write it down. Your websites, your Facebook pages, Amazon, the name of your book, your, your local studios, anything and everything to promote the wonderful things you're doing. Our book is called Resilience Parenting, 
and you can find it on Amazon. You can also check out uh, all sorts of stuff, resilienceparenting.info. And uh, we're, we're blogging all about our travels and our thoughts about being on the road at fivebackpacks.family. And then finally, if you'd like to learn more about training at our studios, potomactempo.com. And there's associated Facebook and Twitters and big books and all those kinds of things for all as well that we can be found on as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much. I know you're extremely busy and you're going on this backpacking quest, homeschooling the kids, which is phenomenal. And for you to take a, a you know an hour out of your day to, to share your visions, your dreams, your strategies, techniques, and your book, the best-selling Amazon bestseller, with our listeners here, I, I cannot thank you enough. And Chris, thank you so much for your time over the past weekend. Just connecting with you again was fantastic. And Holly, thank you for being the, the backbone of support and uh, uh, keeping the ship moving forward to help make our society a better place to live. I'm very, very grateful, guys. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us on and for all the great work that you do. We really appreciate you and um, and all the stuff you're creating in the world. I tell you what, being, being on shows like yours really helps remind us about what our mission is. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a gift to be here. Thank you. And just a re- again, a reminder that we, if we can vocalize what it is that we're trying to do every day to ourselves, to other people, um, focusing our minds on, on what it is that we want rather than those other 80,000 thoughts popping in, it just feels like a far better life. Absolutely. And it's a kick in life. A kick in life. That, that girl, that a boy. Good job. You're exactly right. And it's a concerted effort. You know, uh, we, we mentioned it just about every show. You are who you surround yourself with. And, folks, the the opportunity to go to the Empower Summit, and it was in Maryland, surrounded myself with Chris and Melody Schumann and Dave Durham and Dave Chamberlain, Brian Nay, uh, Larry Batista, who else was there, Roland Osborne, Paul Garcia, and I'm probably leaving a few folks out, but so many wonderful, wonderful people. And you become who you surround yourself with. You start thinking differently. And the same is to be told on the other side. You surround yourself with people that are more anchors pulling you down, then that's what you're going to do. You're going to start doubting yourself. You're going to start setting standards on what you can and can't do. Surround yourself with the best folks. Listen to the best advice. Plant the right seeds in your mind. And that's how you live your best kick in life. All right, folks. As always, thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy day. I promise I'm going to give you everything I've got. Have the best guests, the best content, knowledge, wisdom to help you reach that level of success. Your kick in life is different than Chris and Holly's. Your kick in life is different than mine. It's whatever it is, but I promise you, you plant the right seeds. You want strawberries, you got to plant strawberry seeds. You want positivity, you got to plant positivity. Chris and Holly, thank you very much. God bless you and your family, and please, safe, safe travels. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. All right, folks, well, as always, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Our Facebook page is Kicking Life with Master Grogan. Our Facebook group, which is really growing, thanks to you folks, is Bullyproof Our Kids with Master Grogan. And uh, even though it's talking about bullyproofing our kids, it's all about parenting strategies as well, what we can do to help our kids and help us as parents. And, of course, on Instagram, it's kickinglife.mastergrogan. Twitter, I'm not all that active, but we do have it's Kicking Life, K-I-C-K-I-N, life. And, of course, our podcast, this is episode number, where are we at here? Holy smokes. I think it's 148. Holy smokes, 148 episodes. So we've got a bunch. If you want to dig back through the archives and dig up some old ones, please do so. 
But most importantly, please, if you found value in this podcast, share it with somebody else. That way we can continue working together to build our tribe. I love you. God loves you. Please share that love with the world. And until we talk again, you get out there and do your best. And I promise you'll be your very best. God bless you. God bless your loved ones. Have a blessed day. I can't wait to chat with you again real soon. Chris Holly, have a blessed day, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to another exciting Kicking Life podcast. This is Master Rich Grogan, your Kicking Life guru, reminding you you can find our podcast online at kickinlifepodcast.com or through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast. Tune in next week. Another exciting show coming your way. In the meantime, you get out there and do what you do best, and I promise you'll be your very best. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you real soon. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.